Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Today on American Glutton, my guest is actor, director, producer, and writer Mike O'Malley. He's an old friend, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at the Mike O'Malley. Mike O'Malley, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. It's great to be here, having been an American Glutton for quite a while. Listen, this is what I want to talk to you about. Yes, we could talk about whatever you'd like. We're going to talk about all of it. I had our mutual friend Larry Clark on. Yes. And he said, you know, Mike O'Malley calls himself a fat old man and he's always hiking. And I was like, what did you just say, Larry? Mike O'Malley calls himself a what? And I largely think that most of this stuff is subjective Mm -hmm. unless we're going by like, what does the National Health Center say the BMI is in there? But even that fact, the word fat is is a – is an adjective that's subje- subjective. It's not a it's not a scientific term. I mean, I guess I suppose it could be, uh, but then we would call it adipose tissue, not fat. Right. I don't know of anything. So about So what the fuck are tissue. you talking about, Mike? Well, first off, I don't know why Larry is talking about me on the American Glutton podcast when I can talk about myself on the American Glutton podcast. This might have been an aside before or after. <laughs> uh, you know, I look. I was, uh, I'm 6'1", I'm probably shrinking, I'm six feet now, 54 years old, basically the same height I was in high school. I was captain of the cross-country team in high school. I, I, I knew you were an athlete. And I was 100, and when I had my senior class picture taken, I was 135 pounds. So that was very, very skinny because I was a runner, right? And so you're a runner, you're 16, 17 years old, you're running, you know, at that point, six, seven miles a day, maybe a little bit more on some other days, but you're running an awful lot and your body's growing. And that's, you know, that, and then I started lifting weights probably after that when I was playing baseball and basketball, but I was always a really skinny guy. Then, you know, you figure out, you know, you're doing the weightlifting in the, in the gym, like you're, you know, 16, 17 years old with your buddies, you're, you're, you know, getting a little bit bigger. I was never, you know, really big. That's how you think of what your body is. And so if you – if for most of your life uh, and your, you know, young adult life, I think you're a certain weight, which is I was, you know, anywhere from one – then 150. But then I think once I got, you know, in college and so probably like 170, 175, 180, that's where, you know, you think of yourself in shape, playing sports – and anything in excess of that, so when I was doing yesterday, I was all, all the way up to 225 pounds. Just like you should not be that heavy on that frame. And how are you putting on that weight? For me, it was literally just eating. Yeah. You know? And so I think that if, you know, if you feel good about how you look at a certain weight and that's where you, what you remember, certainly like for, long before I became an actor – you know, sports was just playing sports and being in sports and being interested in sports was my whole life. Now I wasn't going to go off and be a professional in any, it wasn't going to play in college. I wasn't, but it, but it still was my, my identity and was, I was interested in. 
And I think that then, you know, when you take on other responsibilities, parenting in particular, and you're just, your life is consumed with doing all the things that you have to do as a parent, and we have three kids, then what goes out the window? You know, usually your fitness, like, look, I went on a hike today, I burned whatever it was, 800 calories, getting up, driving to the hike, going on the hike, coming back from the hike, it's two and a half hours. A, Who has two yeah. and a half hours, man? Right. It's just like you don't. And that, that's another thing that we can get into a little bit later because I do have a, uh, I have some feelings on that. But so I think that it, you know, it is in the, in the eyes of, look, something that everybody's doing right now on the pandemic is they're going back, especially people my age and, and uh, around my age, they're looking at old photos. And you go back and you look at old photos and you think to yourself, oh, God, you know, not only are you looking at, ah, wow, yeah, was, I was really at, the, you know, I was really looking good when at that age. You're also looking at pictures where, like, when we first had kids and it's like, oh, God, why didn't somebody pull me aside and just say, you know, hey. And for me – at the point in which, you know, like I said, I was 225 pounds. I mean, that's significant. What do you weigh now? Uh, 195. Okay. So about 30, you know, 30 pounds heavier. I yeah. was overweight and never really thought of myself that way. But then I went to the doctor, you know, this is probably around, uh, I don't know, maybe I was, you know, early 40s. And I went to the doctor and had all the blood work done and, uh, you know, just a uh, you know, you have kids, you start doing the life insurance, you start, you know, thinking, okay, you know, like I got to get my blood work done. And, and you know, the the stuff comes back and you just try triglycerides are off the, out of you. And you like my dad who, uh, you know, was on, you know, plenty of his own cholesterol medications. He, he was like, I, get, I told my triglyceride number to he's like, oh my God. And I was like, oh. I was like <laughs> you need to go to the emergency room. <laughs> I like, and I was like, that's a terrible reaction. Right. And then after that, after that reaction, oh my God, I think I went on, I never got back up to that weight again. I, I sort of, I went on the master cleanse. I was like, I got to do something drastic here. I dropped 15 pounds, then I got below, you know, to 210. Never gone back up, you know, beyond that again. But, you know, so yes. So going back to what Larry said, why am I going on a hike? Because no, I, I don't still, mind you going on a hike. Okay, I, but here's the thing: you, what you mind is that as I, I'm calling myself uh, fat, and I think that in relationship to, it's just not healthy, right? I should be in better shape. My cardio level should be better. I have three kids. I want to be around a long time, and you know the the choice the choices that I have made for for significant periods of not exercising has everything to do with, you know, that's what, that's why you look so great and why people are reacting. So, you know, great is that because you're, you know, working, you're exercising, right? You're just making part of your day exercise. But I think, look, I, I, uh, I think as we move into the future, more and more of life becomes about like efficiency Mm -hmm. And less and less about how we have to be dependent on our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so it creates these situations where you have you, – how, how do we find two and a half hours to do something? Mm -hmm. Like you ask me how long I spend in the gym, I'd say an hour a day. Mm -hmm. You ask my wife, she might tell you I spend three hours a day in the gym. 
I don't know what's actually true. Probably closer to what she's saying, but this is also because I'm unemployed right now, mm-hmm. other than this podcast, and I can really take my time. And what the fuck else am I going to do? Like, right. I've got to run to CVS for her or something. Right, right, right. When I'm working, it's an hour a day, and yeah. that's fine. But also, like the the practicality of it. Like you're talking about having the goal of like specifically being around for your kids for a long time. And so like cardiovascular is like a big goal. I am way heavier than I need to be, you know, on these weird things. Like I think uh, 185 is like where guys our height are supposed Mm -hmm. to be, quote unquote. Right. But you look good and you feel strong. That's the other thing is that you have to be able to – you know, one of the things that allows you to do the other things that you want to be able to do if you have more muscle, obviously. I, look, don't don't get me on here with some uh, nutritionist or some, you know, scientist who's going to, you know, completely oh, Larry shoot this also, out. Of- yeah, Larry also sold you out about Bay City hoagies. Yeah, I like it. But yeah. here's the thing. I don't want to – you know, what I, I was thinking as I was – you know, we we talked about me coming on here and I was thinking about – I've been obviously paying attention to – what you've been doing in this podcast. And I was thinking about guys our age with kids and who have friends who are social people who have creative ideas and, but want to spend a lot of time with our kids. It is a, so much is, is, you know, revolving around getting together with people, eating food, being to being with people, eating food, you know, your relationship to food. I don't want to completely go, you know, out the window, the fact that I can't have something, you know, go someplace, be some somewhere where, where I'm a, you know, a finicky eater. But again, the older you get, you have to be that way. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, right? It's, it's uh, you know, the, the food delivery, you know, it's like I, I've never, you know, been at a better place when you get this food delivery service. It's and it's just like greatest. Who, you know, what company do you use? Uh, Fitness Kitchen LA, which is phenomenal. Okay. I do Trifecta, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, but they're great. Yeah, this guy, Tom Aaron, is so good, and the food is really good. But what's funny is it comes, and I'm eating things like I'd never eat, like cauliflower. and But my son, my my youngest son, when he was like nine years old, and I had started – I had started like doing it like probably 2013 on and off because I was doing a show and I had to get in shape. And my – so I'm still doing it sporadically – Three or four years after this, my my youngest son comes in. He probably just ate a piece of pizza or whatever, and I'm eating out of the the plastic. And I'm just because I just how do I just get this medicine in my system so I can just move on to the next thing? Yeah. And uh, my son comes in. He goes, "Hey, Dad, this is how he talks to nine years old. Hey, Dad, <laughs> you've been on that diet a while, huh?" And I go, "Yeah, buddy." He goes. When's it going to work? <laughs> and I was just like, okay, you're the only person. I am the only person you can ever say that to. If you say it to another guy, you're going to get smacked in the face. You say it to a, your sister, she's going to burst into tears and yeah. like slam the door in your face. Your mother, your, you know, any girl, you're going to get in trouble. It just take it. Well. Just yeah. enjoy it. Cause I'm the only, your old man's the only dude you can ever say that to about. But anyways, this is like, you know, it's it's learning this you know relationship with what you eat and and how you connect it and you know I did not grow up ever even thinking about it like what you eat like you know yes eat your fruits and vegetables or whatever but it was just you know when did you even like I would just drink a two you know liter bottle of Pepsi after baseball practice you know just every day yeah that's crazy I gotta say 
this gives me so much hope because I've known you for a long time. I knew you during yesteryear. Yeah. And like the idea that you were overweight then, I cannot picture it. Never once have I thought, yeah, Mike O'Malley could lose a couple of pounds. Never. Never occurred to me. Mm -hmm. You've always been in like what I would think of as like for health metrics and, yeah. and aesthetics, ideal weight. And then I have this picture of like everybody who's not morbidly obese either like tried on a pair of pants that they tr wore in high school and they mm -hmm. didn't fit. And it was like, oh, well, I have to lose three pounds. Right. Or they're like me and – in order to like get a handle on it, they got to put a lot of effort into this. So hearing that somebody that I perceive to be like a normal person mm -hmm. is putting effort into this feels like a relief to me. Does that make sense? I, I guess so. I mean, what I think that as it relates to you and, and I remember because I remember I saw you right after you were really biking a lot. And yeah. You just how much weight had you lost? At that point, I was like 215 pounds. Yeah. I, you, so I was like 40 pounds lighter than I am now. Right. I was thin, legitimately thin. You were. But you looked great. Still but, overweight, though, by the by the But again, doctors. The, what was interesting to me and I think is interesting about this podcast and anybody who knows you and why they're in, is a fan of yours is that it's just this discipline, right? And I – and this discipline to just say, okay – I want to, I have this goal. I want to do this thing. Let me just take a little, let me take one step today. What can I do today? Right. It's so relevant for this pandemic. It's in being a parent and talking to your kids. Like what can, what can you just do today? And I, and it's a terrible time for kids because they're not able to, they don't have all the friendships that we've, you know, hell, you know, you're my age, you're catching up with people. You're doing zooms and talking to people you <laughs> went to high school and college with and, and people you've lost touch with and Hey, let's connect. And, you know, your kids are out feeling as if they aren't able to enhance those friendships that they just started to make. And my kids are 13, 16, and, and soon to be 18. So it's a crazy period. But I try to talk to them about just these, what can you do? Just a, what is a manageable, you know, goal that you can do today? So like for me, like going on these hikes and pushing myself a little bit more each time. Because I, I do want to, you know, there is a part of me that wants to get back to, you know, the weight that I was that I feel like I'm, you know, perfect at 180, 185, just because I feel as if that's where, I, you know, I should have been. I should have been a whole, you know, and it literally is just like, if you're like, what am I going to do today? I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to eat that. And you just, so, you know, I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio was talk about, uh, talks about like success face or fame face, I think is what he called it. It's just like, what happens is like, you're struggling actor, you're trying to get work and then suddenly you get a job and then people are like, what are you going to do? Well, it's Let's go get it. I mean, so much in Los Angeles is like, let's go get a meal. Let's get breakfast. Let's get lunch. What are you doing for lunch? What are you doing? You yeah. know, and you're like, I'm not the kind of person that cannot order French fries. And that, you know, what's interesting is I just, you know, I was trying to show my kids, like, I would be the kind of guy, if I'd go to the movies, I'd get a Coke, you know, get a Coke, get a popcorn. You know, if I was going to go get a burger, I'd, I'd have a Coke, like Coca-Cola, not like Diet Coke. Yeah. Coke. Sure. And it was about uh, Easter two years ago and I was like I'm not going to have a Coke till July 4th alright now you think of this like, like 52 year old guy like wow big sacrifice but that was my thing I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not a big beer drinker not a big wine drinker you know not I gotta have my cocktail kind of guy that just you know since I've had kids it's just not not a thing right I gotta get a, get a 
get up for baseball practice, get up for soccer practice. N- never was a never have been a big drinker in my parenting life. Certainly, plenty of sure. alcohol was consumed from twenty to about thirty five. So, anyways, I uh, I just said it's like I'm not gonna have just like again one goal. I'm not gonna have I'm not gonna have soda. Just not gonna have it. And then I was like. I made it through July 4th and then I made it up to Labor Day and now I still haven't had a Coke Wow! in almost, you know, it'll be coming up on two years in April, you know, so I guess like one and three quarters a year. And then the same thing, I was like, I would go like to Bay Cities, which is the best down in Santa Monica. If no one's ever been, go get a sandwich from Bay Cities. Pretty damn good. Old East, East Coast sort of style uh, grinders, I guess you'd call them. And I was like, I could never have a sandwich without chips or a burger without fries. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to have any French fries till Christmas. And now it's been over a year, year and a quarter. I think I had it once when a friend like made some special French fries. But again, just those little things are the things that I think you can do. And I think it's so hard when you just, and I, I've talked to my dad about this and I've, I've talked to other people about it. Just do that. Just say what, you know, what's the thing that you have that you think that you, if you took it out of your repertoire to just start, just don't have French fries and chips. Like, I don't think like people like don't have any bread. I mean, bread is so, uh, so amazing, right? I mean, yeah. it's, and it's, you know, it's, you know, don't have a loaf of it, you know, but I don't know. It's, it's those little things that you. There, you know, that, there are plenty of people that would say, don't eat the bread. The bread is bad. And, and guess, guess what? They get results. But I, I actually find that, if you do these little things where you just take one or two things out uh, that that really don't have any nutritional value, right? And I, I don't know. Some people would say that, that you know, bread doesn't, but this – I don't know. Like you have you know, a couple eggs, you want a piece of toast or whatever. You get the, you know, the special toast or whatever the hell it is. I've actually found that, for me anyways, when you go on these extreme – when you make these extreme choices, that at some point – and this is almost for every – almost every friend that I have who've, who've, who's gained a lot of weight and then lost it, it and then goes back up because at a certain point, there's just a level of deprivation that you just feel as if you're being deprived rather than saying to yourself, you know what? I don't, I don't need this. Like I'd, so for me, literally – and we're only talking a five-pound difference, right? Yeah. But Coke, half and half of my coffee – and you gave up half. And yeah, half? I just because again, you're black, just black coffee. Okay. Yep. yep. And, you know, just again, just just trying to do. Can I do this one thing that has a little bit of discipline to it? Right. Just this one thing. And just like, you know, literally going on a, a hike up Bronson. Can I make it to the bench? Okay. Right. Can I make it to the road now? Can I make it to the, uh, you know, to the observatory? Can I make it here? Can I make it there? Um you know, little things. Then all of a sudden you get jazzed and you start doing other stuff. And, and yeah. soon I'm going to be as jacked as you. I uh, Listen, I don't know if you're going to get as jacked as me <laughs> giving up Coke. I don't know if that's true. But maybe. No, if I start lifting weights. You got to lift the weights. Yeah. I, I love this because I, I think I think that, that 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 is probably – like that's where I live now. I live in that realm of like I don't want to give up a whole lot. So mm-hmm. like mayonnaise I've given up. Right. Coke I gave up a long time ago, but like, yeah, French fries. I'm not going to eat French fries, mostly because they're fried and I don't want to eat shit that's fried, but I'll eat a sandwich 
I'll just, you know, it's interesting you say half and half. I still put a little half and half in my um, – But that's the thing. I mean I, I feel like, a, like not like very manly saying that to you. What do you – know? I mean it's just like what – eat drinking the half and half? Yeah. No. I, because it tastes good. Look, it does. It, it's not like like if somebody like put French fries, it's not like – I love the taste. It's how you feel afterwards, right? Yeah. I had so many – I ate so many cheeseburgers when I lived in New York City. It was so like – like three a week. Like I could not, if I was going to any place, I would be getting a burger. I would not be getting the chicken sandwich. I would be getting a burger. And then at a certain point, my body was like, no, no, you're not. Right. Like you and ground beef is not a good combination. I I think New York City has the best cheeseburgers on earth. This okay. is not a popular opinion out here. Have you been to that place, Jackson Hole? The city in Wyoming? No, no, no. This the, is a restaurant. The, the in restaurant New in New York. Which no. is they, they just want to, they, they, it'd be the kind of hamburger you'd apologize before you started eating it. Really? Say, look, man, I'm going to look disgusting eating this, but I'm going to eat it. I got to do it. But I've always thought like J.G. Mellon yeah. is a great cheeseburger. Manetta Tavern yeah. is a great cheeseburger. Corner Bistro. Corner Bistro is a fucking uh, amazing, insane cheeseburger. Right? At 3 a.m. it's a great cheeseburger yeah. or at noon. They don't do that out here. Nobody. I don't know of a single place that makes a cheeseburger like that out here. It's all smashed, thin patties, overcooked. Yeah, apple pan's pretty good. I think they're overcooked. They're thin patty. They're tiny. That's like I'm. Um, I mean, it's like a fast but, food cheeseburger. But probably health. You know, overcooked is healthily healthily <laughs> right. cooked. They they cook the fat yeah. up. You're saying, yeah. Let's see. I get it. So, how many hours a week are you lifting weights hardcore? You want to know, like. The amount of time there's tension under load or yes. the amount of time I'm in the gym. Because I'm, as we said earlier, my wife would tell you it's like 15 hours a week, which is not true. Tension under load is much less because I, you know, look at my phone in between shit. I get my well, heart Well, I know, but, down. but you're in there and how long, like, have you had any, knock on wood, have you had any injuries to your shoulders, to your elbows, to your knees, to your hips? Not lifting weights the way I have been. I have... Prior to kind of finding, like, I went super scientific with it. And, like, what does that mean? There's this, uh, the principle of progressive overload, which is really talking about how, in order to grow muscle, you can't just do the same thing over and over again. You can't, the, the, the best, I mean, I don't even really like the word best. A really good way or a way that has been shown statistically to have results or statistically the most results is you pick an exercise, you do that exercise, you increase the volume week after week after week until you get to a point where you've accumulated so much stress that you take time off, a week or two off, you allow the stress to go away and then you basically start over. So if we pick chest, I will do chest two days a week, exactly the same exercise. It's not on both days. The days are different. But on Monday, I'll do the exact same exercises every Monday for five or six weeks. Exact same exercises, chest exercises. Not and, and, and making sure it's you doing whatever five sets of low reps rather than a lot of reps. I do – no, I, I like more reps, so I'm never going too heavy. But I'll, any weight that I'm lifting, I can lift it 12 times, 8 to 12 times. Like the heaviest I'll go is I can only get 8 reps. Right. And and because I'm – because the metric of like I did 400 pounds on the bench press, 
doesn't really mean anything to me. If I can only do it once, right. I don't, I don't, when and when do like, Hey, we've got a 400 pound thing over here. Can you move it? I know you moved that thing. Like right. it doesn't mean anything. So I got to be able to do it eight to 12 times. I got to be able to increase week after week after week volume. And that can be either reps or sets or weight. So week two, maybe I add a little bit of weight and do the same sets and reps. Week three, I now am throwing in a, a, another set. Week four, I'm trying to do more reps and more sets. And then the last set, are you doing it total to total muscle fatigue? The last week. Okay. I'm never going to total failure until the last week. The last week, basically, my whole body is getting taken to failure throughout the week. And then the following week, I'm resting. And are you doing to recover? So I'm working on a show right now that's about independent professional wrestling. And we got, you know, these actors are in incredible shape. Alexander Ludwig, Stephen A. Mel, Chris Bauer, Alan Maldonado, James Harrison, the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's on. And, you know, they, they have this He's big, a big dude. Big dude. They, they work out incredibly hard. But we got these ice baths. Are you doing? I haven't done that. Yeah, I, I should. You should, do that. You should yeah. check into it, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're really. They seem to be very much into once they take their body to. I don't. You know, I don't think that they're necessarily doing what you're doing, which is once every five weeks bring it. But but they're getting in the ice baths, and they say it really helps the recovery. Yeah, you have to have something in there to alleviate that. Ways I've read about that guys do this, the ice bath is one, steroids is another one because the steroid just doesn't allow you to hold on to that kind of whatever kinds of hormones you're building up or lactic acid or just the stress of the muscle steroids are fixing. But if you don't do something, the problem without having a plan and you're just going to the gym every day and trying to go heavier and harder is injuries. So I don't want injuries. I've had my bicep repaired. I've had knee surgery. But this is all from doing stuff before I started going like, what's the, what's the way that I can do this forever? Oh, I, I don't go to my absolute one rep PR every week. In fact, I don't ever go to my PR one. meaning personal record. Yeah. yeah. I'm never – Ever, this is now something that has completely left my how, – how heavy can I go? I don't care. Well, it's interesting because my son is 16 and he's, uh, he's a terrific athlete. I have two sons. They're both terrific athletes. But the 16-year-old is now finally beginning to and getting interested in you know lifting weights. And, um, and you realize – and there's a lot of youngsters who get in and they want to start throwing the weight around and then – of course, because of where their body is, they're just growing muscle and yeah. they're growing it in a sick way because all the testosterone they got, you know, it's just the time of their life. And they get injured because they get addicted to the size and they're not doing it right. And so it's so hard to, again, just – and, you know, even the, the mentality of, of, li of going in the gym – it's like, oh, okay, I got to do a set. I got to do 12 reps. How do I get through these 12 reps? Just, I just, you know, again, it's just like homework. Like how do I get, how do I get it? Like having someone's trying to help my son build this mentality of, and I had a trainer for, I have a trainer for a long, but obviously I'm not training with him now. This guy, Will Thompson, who is a terrific 
really, really smart trainer um, and trained, you know, a bunch of the actors for Heels and trained the, – the guy who was the star of uh, Survivor's Remorse, he, he, Jesse Usher, who's now on The Boys. He trained him to get ready for this show about basketball that I did that was on uh, Stars and knows so much. And he would always say, you know, slower you go, faster you grow. And just taking – you know, r- literally just taking your time, having a coach who's taking you through that. Who's the guy who's really helping you on that part? It's an IF – I don't know the the initials. IFBB Pro. So he's like a professional bodybuilder. Uh, his name's Jared Feather. He studied and is the training partner of a guy named Mike Israel, who's like a PhD uh, physiologist. Gnarly science dudes. And he – and look, I knew about – progressive overload before I started working out, before he started programming my workouts. And I I was doing this and, and having success. I got into a place where I hit like I think 13% body fat where like under the right lighting, if I flex everything, you can see a hint of an ab. And I'm like, okay – I'm making progress. This is what I want. I want abs. I want to look sh- quote unquote shredded for a fat guy, which is not shredded like a bodybuilder because that's really hard to get there. Right. Um, and I would default to eating too little. And that's not good for working out and that's not good for retaining muscle mass because if you go too deep into a hole of calories, you're going to start messing with your energy, which means your output's going to be less and you're going to start eating your muscle mass. And, and I, and it was like this weird swing of like, I would eat too little and then I would go like, oh my God, I'm losing weight too fast. Now I'm eating too much. And I would. Like how many calories a day? Like 2,500 would be too little for me, you know? probably at like 4,000 now, um, which is a lot, but I'm also a 255 you have, you have so, guy. You have so much muscle. Yeah. Like you I'm must be burning. Dude. Like, it, like, I don't even know what you're right. I, I'm surprised you don't have like an Apple watch on, like just like that. What is the resting energy? Like, like, uh, all that stuff. Like it's, you know, it's fascinating to me. These things, if, if, if anyone out there is, you know, trying to get their, uh, you know, stuff together. And of course, obviously they're, they're listening to you because they're interested in that. It's like this Apple watch is such a, I mean, half the time you want to be like, Oh, stop. You know, you can do it, Mike, you know, or or like yesterday, it's like a Sunday and they're like, you're usually a little bit more active uh, by at this time today, Mike, than you, than you, and I'm like, Oh, go to hell. Yeah. Apple watch. But I had a Garmin that would tell me my steps. And I did notice that when COVID came, my steps disappeared. It just, they just stopped. And so I had to, that was really the first time I put cardio back into my workouts just because I wasn't moving. Right. It, it, it all fell apart at that point. It happened, you know, but we were talking about this, like walking, like I do think that just literally walking, just standing straight up and walking. Um, I probably listen to too many podcasts and too much music when I walk. It's probably better for me if I just, if I did, excuse me, if I didn't walk it it uh at all but uh it's it's interesting to me just the act of literally walking getting out 
doing something and then trying to put into the repertoire because I was down in Atlanta. There's not as much elevation, like living in Los Angeles. I was up, uh, you know, like I said, uh, above Bronson, like there was not that many people up there. It's a city of whatever it is, 12 million people. And you can go on all these unbelievable hikes and your heart rate gets up just walking up. Yeah. And uh, have you done brand library? No. What's that? Ooh, it's gnarly, dude. It's in Glendale. Let's go. Yeah. I don't do cardio like this anymore. This is gnarly. You're just walking uphill. Um, but it's you, when you get to the top, you're looking down on the walk you're talking about. Yeah. And you start at about the same elevation. I got to try that. Yeah. How long is it? Three miles straight up, maybe two and so a half. So it takes a while to, uh. Maybe that's exaggerating. It's it's steeper than anything on the mountain range you're talking about. But if you go to Brand Library in Glendale, there are paths behind it, and they all will kind of take you to this one major path that goes straight up to the top I of this mountain. This. If you've ever driven on the five or the one thirty four, you see it over. It's just like looks like a fire road straight up the side okay. of this mountain. All right, I got to do that. It's gnarly. I got to yeah. do that. I love that you're, you know, what you, one of the things you're doing here and you're using yourself as an example is to just to not only uh, break it down, uh, demystify it, but just, you know, put it in a, it's so hard when you get, when you get, because, you know, for me, especially when I got to that point of, you know, like I said, 225 pounds and it's just like, and then you start to work out and then think about that. So I'm at that point, that's so great at math. I'm I'm 85 pounds, you know, heavier than I was. And so you go on a run and you still remember yourself. You still – your gait is still the same as it used to be. Your, <laughs> right. your stride, your form is that. But you're basically carrying you know, two 45-pound plates on your stomach. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's so – when you get to that point, you're like, oh, my God, man. How did I ever – and getting over that part of just like – Oh my God, how did I ever let it get this bad? That can really get you to, you know, you talk about this, get you to a point where you're just like, fuck, you know. I'm not going to do it. It, it. For me, there's so many different factors in there too, where I think talking to you is so valuable because forever, I it was just like, what's wrong with me? I, I If somebody just gives me a word that says what's wrong with me, I'll feel better because... I, I just want to know because I think sometimes you, you get this label and you feel like, oh, well, that's a solution. This label is a solution. Like addict for me was such a great solution. The minute I like go, oh, yeah, I don't I don't get to do a bump of cocaine at a Hollywood party and my life is just fine. Like those normal people who are just having a bump of cocaine, if any of them are. Or like <laughs> my wife has a glass of wine at a restaurant a year ago and doesn't drink the whole thing. And I'm like anxious about it. Like, no, you need to finish that and yeah, yeah. get another one yeah. and then like get one for the yeah. road, which yeah. is fine. They'll put it in a coffee cup. Right. right. Cause that's what I do right. if I'm drinking wine. And by the way, my wine is called Thunderbird or Nitrine, not this fancy <laughs> Italian. Right, shit. right. Right. Um, my wine's from Pacoima. Um, but once I, once I go like, Oh, Addict handles me. I get it. Now I can just go down this road. 
I was not finding this in relation to food and and I wanted this separation. I wanted to go like, no, how am I different than you? And the truth is I'm not. Well, the thing is I think that it's it, – it literally becomes like – and it's it's one of the things but, but – and, and I want to go back. You're younger than me but I, I do want to point something out that's happened really in the last – 20 years. I mean, I think it started with literally like Oprah, like why is, why is this hydrogenated oil and these trans fats in cereal? Like, or whatever it was. And she's like, everybody starts like, then you got all the people watching Oprah going, yeah, why is that? You know? And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we probably don't need crackers to last for three years on the (laughs) shelf. And so we should probably take it out. Why? Because it's not good for you. If you really think about that, like my kids now, They'll look at, like, I'm going to pick on a, a particular soda. It's like one of these, uh, you know, super duper Mountain Dews. Which, right. You know what I mean? When I was 12 years old, I loved Mountain Dew too. Sure. And nothing against Mountain Dew, nothing against a big sub from Bay City. But you never, like, there was no awareness when I was growing up, like, yeah, you probably shouldn't eat giant sweet tarts every day because – the, all that sugar is bad for you or all that corn syrup. I mean, of course, there's plenty of people like, yeah, don't have candy every day. But like look at the back of a Coca-Cola can is like 36, you know, grams of sugar or one of these things like 75. My kids now have been taught and all of their friends just look at a label and say, what's in here? Should I, you know, should I, should I have any relate? Should I, other than just the taste have any relationship to or any sort of point of view on what I'm what I'm drinking, what I'm eating, what I'm what I'm doing. You can have a cupcake, you can have this, but you shouldn't be eating it all of the time. And I think that when we were growing up, there was no you didn't know I didn't know what carbs were. No you know, idea. Uh, whether this thing, whether that thing. And it was only I shouldn't say only maybe like even like long after I was out of college and left New York City and you know, again, was in my 30s and moved to Los Angeles and that you're like, oh, you should actually think that like after you eat this meal, the fact that you don't want to do anything and lay on the couch and take a nap, like that's not necessarily a good thing. Like that shouldn't – like the way that you feel after you eat shouldn't be like, ugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and think about like if – if I was just like, I think it's, 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 I think it starts in college, you know, for a lot of people, obviously like the freshman 15 and all that, it's like you go to college and it's like, it's grilled cheese day and you're, you're with 10 other dudes. Like you could keep going back up. And it's like, how many do you have? I had six. Like, why would you like, well, how many did you get? Well, it's like, a, it's stupid. It's yeah. like jackass. And then like, why would you, why should you be eating six Grilled cheeses, just because, I don't know, because that feeling of just being like, oh, I yeah. can't do anything, that was that means you got your money's worth, right? I, it's just the idea of getting your money's worth was just so, like, everything. But, yeah. it, but then my kids, like, I never would have had this perspective, but th- this, I guess, is a good thing, and then the message is getting out. Like, my son was just like, again, I'm going to pick on, I'm not going to say by name, like, what this... Uh, franchise is but he's just like if if you can get this entire meal for a dollar that's probably not good good because it's not good ingredients right you know if you can get all of that for a dollar yeah i get i get into a really gnarly headspace like i have a buddy who's so against roundup 
and the company that makes Roundup. We know this company. Yeah. Yes, because I I worked I was I worked in lawn maintenance in summers in New Hampshire. So you were around. So I was Roundup. around Roundup. Yeah, plenty. And I don't know these stats. And anybody who's had family member get sick from Roundup has my total empathy, and it's and I feel terrible about that. I don't think that's good. But I do. There is some part of me that goes. 25,000 people, and it's going to be way worse this year. It's going to be way worse next year. But on average, and the stat was improving, getting smaller, 25,000 people on average starve to death every day in the world. Starve to death, 9 million people a year. Next year, it's going to be a whole lot more as a consequence of the way this year went, which is, for me, not good. This is a bad thing. If Roundup can feed them, at what point do we trade off and go, thousands of people got cancer, millions of people didn't starve to death? And I, I this is like what I'm saying with the food in America. You know, I go back to like the Great Depression and go like a bunch of people starved to death in America. And then, and then you see immediate policy changes where it's like the government is subsidizing corn, the government is subsidizing uh, soy, eventually beef. These are calculations because people were dying and now it's just gone the extreme other way where people are now overweight. Right. Well, I'm – you know, my father was the oldest of seven and I remember him and – no, I don't remember. I, you know, I I recall and he still says that food on the table to his father and mother was everything. So you're a success if you could put food on the table. So think about that, right? Yeah. It's like that, you know, we're like living through this period right now. And like, we can't believe we're living through this. But then just like you said, it's like the depression, like literally people are starving. Literally people are like, there's no, and, and this is, you know, there are people who are still alive who've lived through that. Yeah. You know, not a lot, but, but there are some, but, and, and how their children were completely impacted by this experience such that they're just saying, look, man, I'm a six, and, and, and this is, we still are, whatever now, 90 years since then, are still like, hey, man, what, what, if there's, if people are coming over, like you've been to a party where they've run out of food. It's a drag, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like I've had a party yeah. and run out of food. No, it I sucks. mean, and I'm always, I was like, just order more food. Why you send people home with food? You just want food there. Why? Because that's what you know. Food's fun, man. Yeah, it's you know, it's fun. It's great. It's just you know, it's it, it, so that's all built into our own experience of man. It's I, I never want to go hungry. I never want to go hungry. And I I lived in New York when. Uh, I didn't have a lot of money and couldn't go out to eat. You know, this is before you could have a, uh, a metro card so you could drive. So every anytime you got in the subway, it was a buck, you know, it was yeah. a buck to, it was a buck from. It wasn't like you could just then ride it all week for, you know, a certain amount of money. And I had friends who worked in food service, who worked for General Mills and worked for Kraft and, you know, Campbell's. And they'd send me food samples and I'd eat, I'd eat it, man. You know what I mean? It was, they took care of me. Yeah. So it's, you know. I, again, I was never at the, at the point of, you know, starving, but, you know, just like anyone else, you want to go out, you want to get a meal, you want to get get together with some friends, you want to make some food, you know, it's costs. Yeah. And and, and so when are you, you never want to be uh, willingly hungry, 
You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, you always want to be willing. It's like you want to be in a point where it's like I'm hungry because – or I'm I'm not overeating because I, I've made the choice, not because, oh, man, I uh, I can't afford it or I can't uh, afford to buy the food. Right. No, the, I, these are choices that – these are choices that I don't ever want to have to make, but I also go and get gas and am confronted with food and, and drive, drive from my house to here and I'm confronted almost nonstop with imagery of food and stuff like that. You know it's what fun, I mean? man. It's fun. Listen, like, it looks delicious. The McRib is back. I've said this every episode for like four episodes. I hope it's still back when this airs. I want a fucking McRib. But you should go eat it and then see how you feel afterwards. I might do that. And and literally do like a uh, live, live tweet it. Right? <laughs> this is what it's like. Yeah, do an Instagram video. It's like eating a donut, man. Like I just remember like when I was a kid, oh, they'd, you know, they say they get you. You know, I, I grew up Irish Catholic and, uh, you know, oh, is, is there a church? Is, is there an assembly afterwards where they're going to have donuts? It's right. like, you know, it's just like, yeah, I'll go to church just to have a donut. Yeah. But, but. You know, my son was playing in a baseball tournament. This he must have been like 10 years old. And he ate a donut because they're amazing. And then he was like sick. And it affected the, how he was feeling, you know, during the tournament. And he, and he at 10 years old, is like, I'm never having another donut again because of that. Right. And he went, for, for a 10-year-old kid to go a year without eating a donut, I mean, that was pretty like spectacular yeah. considering how often people bring by donuts and have donuts and donuts after the game. It's like orange slices and donuts. And he's going for orange slices and, and for a year? He, for a year because he was just like, I remember how I felt right. and it's not worth it. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the thing. It's just like food, I think, you know, bad food, it – it literally is just it's the it's thinking about eating it and then the five minutes it takes to eat it and then you're miserable and is it worth that period of time? Right. Sometimes. Sometimes it's worth like, it. Like what would be worth it to you to I there's a place my favorite hamburger spot in LA is a place called Burgers Never Say Die in Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. Twice a year. I don't feel good after I eat it, but I but they've got Carvel ice cream and they've got their fries are cooked in beef fat mm-hmm. and 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 it's spectacularly delicious food. But twice a year, I'll go like, yeah, I want that. I'm gonna go have. But you'll that. physically feel bad afterwards. I'll physically feel bad, maybe even for a day. Like, feel awful. Yeah. See, why is that worth it to you? Because it's anticipating. Well, it's it's the 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 immediate base desire to satisfy whatever cravings or whatever experience with flavor and mm-hmm. and sensations of fat and mm-hmm. how fat and carbs and a bunch of salt react in my mouth mm-hmm. salt so you know yeah and i'll put this off for this is something that i experienced multiple times a day for decades and so unlike wine and drugs, which my life has fallen apart every time I've tried to go like, I'll feel like crap. I'll get that hangover. It just doesn't – it hasn't worked out for me. But I have gotten to a place where twice a year I can go have burgers never say die and Carvel ice cream and fries cooked in beef tallow and then be back on my program the next day, even if I don't feel great. Now, do you take like a probiotic? No. 
never did any of that or but I do eat a lot of cabbage, which I'm told does turn into probiotics. Why in do you eat gut. a lot of cabbage? I like it. It's one of my it's an easy vegetable. It's sauerkraut, kimchi. Cabbage was such a tough one for me because back before uh, old people uh, delivered the newspapers through cars, I was a paper boy. Like back in the old, like I had a paper route and you'd have to go collect money. And I'd knock on a few doors and there's people who cooked the cabbage. I'm like, they had no idea how bad their house smelled. I'm like, this is just... And I, and I I still remember it. I was just like, that is just – and I'm Irish, right? So corned beef and cabbage, you think, oh. You know, it's like, no, my mother didn't make that and we didn't. And people who boil cabbage in their house. Bad people. Just, no, I wouldn't say bad people. Just get some uh, get some candles and, yeah. and air, that, air that out every once in a while. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't really like eating vegetables. And then occasionally I'll have an, a craving for vegetables. But I'll go like – buy a bunch of cabbage and then cabbage is the thing I'm eating for a week or broccoli. And then it's just a week of With broccoli. protein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't mean – I just mean like that's – I I take it as, almost like somebody takes vitamins. Right. I got to eat a little bit of this vegetable. So I'm throwing it into whatever – yeah. And what are you doing for uh, like smoothies and stuff like that? I do whey protein and water in the morning and casein protein and water at night. That's yeah. my smoothie. You do elaborate smoothies? Uh, no, I don't do them too uh, elaborate, but I I did try to like, – obviously, I'm a New England Patriots fan, but are you at all familiar with Tom Brady and like his whole thing and pliability and no, – I mean, yeah. I know who Tom yeah, Brady obviously. is. Yeah, but I <laughs> no, don't obviously. No, I mean, he's just – you know, the guy is in incredible shape. He's incredibly, you know, his his thing is is not so much about lifting weights. It's about uh, working with bands and pliability, et cetera, et cetera. But I've started to try, you know, did the pea protein, a little bit of the vegetable protein, but I, I react better to the whey protein yeah. in terms of getting a little bit stronger and it craving my, you know, it's sort of filling uh, my cravings. But, yeah. I think that's, you know, for anybody out there who, as you know, is trying to get on any sort of program to maintain discipline, it literally is like you almost have to set your watch by it. You know, it's yeah. like I'm going to go. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm just going to do this for an hour, whatever it is. Come home, make yourself a shake and then literally set your timer off. And I really like what you're talking about, too, in terms of like you gave up Coke. Mm -hmm. And you gave up Coke initially for a couple of months and it's turned into two years. To anyone who's just – Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> Coca-Cola, yes. But I, but I did too give up Coke. Right. Uh, no. So, yes, Coca-Cola. This, this soft drink. Uh, sugary – so I have, I, have, uh, I, I have had a Diet Coke or two, not normally, like on set. But uh, I gave up drinking – Sugar sodas, whether and most for me it was, uh, you know, Coca Cola. That was that was my uh, the 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 soda I would drink the most. Yeah, go, go to the movies. Like I said, I'm out having having a meal. That's helped the fact that I don't go out because I I really like you know uh, fountain uh, Coca Cola that right. comes from a soda fountain. I um, I'm not big you know drink out of the can or drink it out of the bottle. The um, mixture is different, I think. Yeah, probably. I mean, I I think how how they do it, something and 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 you can get places where it's different. But yes, I just said, okay, what's the just what's the thing, right? Because it's 
because you want to be like what I'm talking about. It's like you're 225 pounds. And I do think the master cleanse, if you're somebody who's disciplined and you can do that, is a great way to just jumpstart that first 15, 15 pounds. I do think. But how important is what you follow up with? Yes. And so for – because it can give you that kind of uh, jolt of – like when I talk about you when you were in that biking phase, you – what people admired about you is that you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to end. And then you're just, you know, I remember you talking about, it. it's like just, you know, riding your bike and you can't help but burn calories when you're riding your bike for long, long, long distances. And that's just what you're doing. And so for, for me and some other people who started the master cleanse, it's like part of the doing of that is the discipline of saying, can I get through this day just doing maple syrup, cayenne pepper, lemon juice. Do I have what it takes mentally to get through this? And and then you realize it's like when your body is not digesting all of this stuff, right? This idea of that is you injure yourself when you're eating regularly, you tweak your ankle, you t- okay, your body fixes it a little bit, but it's spending so much time going after what you're digestion is that it doesn't have time to spend its energy going over fixing your shoulder, your hip, your knee, what have you. And, uh, you know, so for me, once, once I did that, now this is at this point, this is now 10 years ago that I did this, maybe more. And then once I did that and was able to say, okay, yeah, I can do that. All right. Now I'm just going to take one little thing out. And that's what I would say to anybody out there who's trying to get to the, you know, the place where you are, which is how do you get to this other side where you feel like you're, so far away of, you know, what do I got to do? Okay. I'm just going to do, listen, man, it's like the Subway sandwich guy. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, he just said, I'm just going to start walking. Yeah. And instead of getting this in the chair, I'm just going to get that. Right. It, it's so hard to see three years down the road, but I mean, it's, it's literally, it's like anything. It's one day at a time. You know, it's, it, 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 it there, there does, there is a sense of that, um, I've never been to an AA meeting, even though I did a movie about AA. But it is that idea. It's like, just get through today. Can you do this? Can you just not drink a Coke or eat French fries and have half and half today? Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. Because we're all like, oh, we want to reward ourselves. I think there's some anxiety about or anxiousness about, you know, like, look, in fairness, if I woke up tomorrow, if I went to sleep as I am now and woke up tomorrow with 200 pounds more on my body somehow, I would be frantic to get it off. Frantic. But that's not the way it works. It takes years and years and years to accumulate that much stored energy. So I think what happens, and this happened to me too, is I woke up one day and went, I need, I need this off. I need to get rid of it. And I needed it off as fast as possible. There wasn't as much thought about how do I keep it off or what do I do? How do I change my life around once I get it off? And so this sprint to get it off kept failing because I kept putting it back on. And I think it's a far more – I have nothing against the master cleanse or doing anything to kickstart this. 
But I think the more important thing is what you follow it up with. And I think if you're a person who has had a lot of failures, that you can have the benefits of a success with choosing one thing to get rid of. Much easier to get rid of sugary drinks than it is all carbohydrates. Right. And that's why, like, you can literally do that. Like, okay, just until Saturday, can I not drink soda? Right. Just until Saturday. Now, look, you're absolutely right. If you have somebody who says, I'm not eating bread for a week, like anyone who's listening right now, if you take bread out of the equation, it's just the weight just falls off you. It just falls off you. But it's like, it's so good. Like bread and olive oil and dipped in salt. And like, <laughs> yeah. there's bread at the table last night and pasta. It's so good. And like, you know, it's now the holidays. Like, my parents are sending Wolfermans, which is like the thickest English muffin you've ever. And how do you have an English muffin without butter and right. jam? You know what I mean? It's like, but that's the thing. It's the sleeve of, you know, 15 English muffins sitting in the house. I can't, you know, oh, I just had one. I should probably go back another two hours, have another one. Right. You know what I mean? Now I've just eaten 3,000 calories. Of, you know, it's hard, man. It's, it's hard. It's, it's just just thinking about it. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah, it's, but making, I, I really like the idea of just taking one thing out. And and and, and having, I, I think it's important for people to have successes. Because it shows you, I think, that you can just do it. Like, I I love half and half. And I will say that, I loved it. I don't enjoy drinking coffee as much as I did. I still drink. I drink a fair amount, but I would be like, you know, I'm writing. I'm writing on a show. It's like pot of coffee, half and half. Yeah. Like going through a court every three days, yeah. half and half. I mean, I'm just pouring a splash in there. It's right. a, you know, my wife's drinking it too, but I mean, my wife's very fit. And it's like, it's a court. We're getting a court. And then it'd be like, oh my God, and I'm half and half. Like, cause it doesn't taste like your drink. Yeah. And did you ever have it where your kids used it on cereal and you lost your mind? No, I, that, that's, uh, one of my kids doesn't like dairy and, uh, my other kids don't, they would be it would be too thick, but I I grew up you know it was it wasn't two percent milk it was vitamin D whole milk yeah. in the cereal you know I mean we were just cereal the consumption of cereal from the house that I grew up in and even now like cereal as a dinner is not you know that that's something that's happened my whole life sure. yeah. and um but no you know for for me when when I realized it's like oh you don't realize how sweet it is. Like it, it makes, it's like, you're just drinking this nice sweet drink all day long, writing, I'm drinking coffee and look at me, I'm drinking coffee. I'm writing, I'm a writer. I need my coffee. And that was a hard thing, but I didn't want to go on cholesterol medication or anything like that. And I was just like, I'm just going to take this out. I mean, there's just no reason I should be drinking this much half and half. Can I do it? And it's, it's sucked for like, <laughs> you know, it's still like I've, you know, because I'm I'm also not like sitting there like oh, I'm gonna get the grind perfectly right. Yeah, I'm gonna do the pour over at home. I'm not gonna like, I can't take like 45 minutes to make a. You know, somebody's gonna hear this and be like, it doesn't take 45 minutes to make a good cup of coffee. But right. like, I'm not. I probably should. You know, take my time and do the pour over at home or whatever. But I'm not like I just wake up. I got I got shit I gotta do. Let's get the coffee in you. Yeah, I gotta get out. You know, I gotta get on the hike. I'm totally with you. I also find it's just in my mind the idea of a black coffee is way more masculine 
than having to like spruce it up with half and half. It feels very um, emasculating to me to talk about how I want my coffee. And my coffee is just coffee with half and half. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just like anything else. Like people talk about like how they want this thing just right or they want that thing just right. It becomes a thing. You no, know, I, but I don't mess around with those. That 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 is a whole other level of like being a feat when you want to – when when you're so obsessed with how your coffee is prepared, you you totally lose me. Yeah. I think the thing that people – the thing with coffee that's sort of the – when you have a good cup of coffee, right? And there's a lot of good coffee in Los Angeles and a lot of it is really well-made. Have you ever been to that place on Sunset Intelligentsia? Yeah. So I had heard like this is an unbelievable coffee place. This is this is now going on like six or seven years ago. I was like – Come on, man. Let me. Just, how good could coffee how be? Could be? And I yeah. go there, and I was like, how "Good is it? There's a there's a long line." I'm yeah. like, "That'd be really good." I'm like, "I'm gonna stand in line here." I'm like, "All right, I'm coming all this way. I just stood in line for 20 minutes. I'm gonna get a mocha." When I tell you this is the greatest drink I've ever had in my <laughs> life, I'm, when I tell you that this drink, like no, no drink has ever been prepared that tasted better than this drink, and I've yeah. been chasing after that, and you know. That coffee is unbelievable. Their coffees, I tip my hat to them. They know how to make coffee. They love coffee. And so when you have a cup of coffee that's like that, you know, like a lot of people say, like, you know, people know smoking is really bad for them. It's like, why do they keep smoking? And I've had a friend describe it. He said, you know, at one point I was just like in college and I, I had a cigarette. And it was just like, it was like I had a great conversation and there was really the nicotine. And it's like, I've been chasing that cigarette you know, my entire life. Yeah, you, you know, want chasing, that he wants again. that moment back, like yeah. the perfect moment where you're just edging on the perfect, you know, you're just teetering on. You know, everything's magic. Everything's coming, coming together, together yeah. man. It's just like that's what you want, right? That's that's those moments of elation and grace that we're after. And sometimes when you, you know, like you have that cup of, oh my God, shouldn't it? But then it's like everything, right? It's like every, whenever you have a good meal, you're like, why isn't every meal this way? Yeah. You know, my wife said something. It was um, this with like when she, if she'll make me like an egg sandwich or she makes me a sandwich, I enjoy it so much more than I made the sandwich myself. I yeah. don't know what that is. You ever had that experience? For sure. All what the is time. that? Like when someone else makes you a sandwich, it's just the best. I think, I think part of it is they do things in just a, enough of a slightly different way than we do them. And so it's unique in that way. And so it's like new. You know, I make my sandwich, it's generally exactly the same every time, unless I like, happen to have an avocado at home or a tomato that looks good or something like this. It's, But I, I make it – I don't fold my meat. My wife will take each piece and like fold it for me and something about the air pocket in between the slice of meat adds to it. It's something interesting. Like I think about that like I'm, I'm, I'm no chef. I know I come across as a chef but I'm no chef that – I don't know when the last time I've made myself something to eat and I'm just like, oh my God, that is amazing what I just made myself. Yeah. And yet my wife's an amazing cook and I have friends who are just unbelievable cooks. I have a friend, Pete Siegel, who I'm working on this project with. He he made – like I I hated for the longest time capers and I was never like a pesto guy. He made this di- – he's an unbelievable cook. He made it and I'm just like, oh my god, this is the greatest meal I've ever had in my life. You know? yeah. And 
I don't know. Maybe it's the gesture of someone else making something for you, you know? It's a little bit of a surprise when you're making it. You kind of know everything that's in there and, like, you're expecting it to taste a certain way. And somebody else presents it to you. It's like a magic trick. It's like, what what (laughs) did you concoct? And and with the experiences with, like, coffee and, for me, fast food and chasing that cigarette, you know, because I think I do that with a lot of stuff. I was always trying to get that one time that like maybe my parents weren't disappointed in me and we had McDonald's and I stacked the fries on the Big Mac and then squeezed the sweet and sour sauce on because my sister forgot she ordered it and and her nuggets went dry and she ate them and I had the sweet and sour. And And I had this magical moment where people weren't mad at me or judging me for what I was eating and I had the Big Mac with fries and sweet and sour and it tasted wonderful and like and then that's the moment that feeling of satisfaction that i want to have with everything and was it the big mac or was it the fact that nobody's judging me i don't know i don't know right yeah it's it's you know one of the things about i think that people miss about this period obviously is getting together and so much of why people getting together around food matters is that because that's when people have their phones down that's when people aren't doing something else which where the intention is on the food and actually sitting across from people and being together and so not having not being able to have people over to or to even get to hey let's go out let's go celebrate the birthday over a good meal let's just be because it's just it it is about the food but it's really about the company it's about being with people it's about hanging out with them you know, when would you say, hey, come, you know, I guess maybe we'll get back to this after the, you know, pandemic subsides. But it's like, hey, come on over tonight. What are we going to do? We're just going to sit in my living room and talk. Right. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? that doesn't it's just going to be a salon. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, when do you get. But that's what it's about. It's it's like trying to have those moments of uh, of connection, which good food. It just it puts you in a good mood when you're eating good food. Yeah. Makes the conversation better. Yeah. I have this uh, friend who – these two brothers own this restaurant. I, you've probably been there. It's called Marino, which is on Melrose at Wilcox. And it's just, it's a restaurant their dad started. And now Sal is just this unbelievable chef. And he's just – they've been making unbelievable stuff all through this pandemic. And, and every time he makes something, it's just like, oh. God, this is like he made this strudel the other day, and it's just like, oh my God, this is just amazing. It just did their pizza, their their pasta, their sauces, the things that they make. This it's art. They're artists. It's at that just point. unbelievable, and it just puts you in a good mood. Yeah, when you're eating, and that's the thing is that, that. So how do you get to a point where you're eating too much? It's like, oh my God, this avocado with crab in the in the sushi and crab, you know inside the avocado and you can eat it the skin and i want seven of these <laughs> right it's the, i want seven of these yes. that's dangerous right the one is fine but the one is fine for the coke too yeah man yeah i think it's a very rational thing to do is like if every time i do this i'm gonna just stop that it doesn't mean life stops no man it's just you know but a lot of diets seem like life stops yeah, I mean, I remember I had a friend whose father was like, there's no eating nightshades. You know, mm-hmm. you can't have a tomato. You can't have a pepper. You can't have this. It's a, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just, 
it's calories in, calories out, right? At the end of the day, that is true. However, you want to find that if you get to your, if you f- get to that by cutting out carbs, okay, if that's easy for you, or you get to that cutting out lectins or nightshades or gluten or sugar or processed foods or whatever. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's half what and it half. is. Half and half. <laughs> I'm. I, I, I've had. To, I haven't had to think about half and half so much ever in my life outside of this conversation. And I really am judging myself because the image I have of my me ordering, you know, but I think it's partially too because now at a coffee place, they don't let you handle the half and half. So you have to, you have to announce to everyone. Well, we have a friend in common, Mike Mariano, who we worked with on my name is Earl and Mike actually Mike has always drank his coffee black. And like a man. <laughs> I don't know if it's like a man or not. I just know he's a man and he drinks it that way. Right. But his – if you grow up in like New York City, like uh, coffee regular, which is sugar and, you know, milk and certainly half and half is, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, a iced coffee with half and half or just a coffee with half and half. That's how you do it, Dunkin' Donuts, where, where you know, I grew up in, in New Hampshire. And so – what was interesting from his point of view is I'm going to learn how to drink coffee black because he was working as a stagehand and traveling around as a lighting technician. And this is before he was a writer, a director. And he said, I'm going to learn how to drink coffee black and like the taste of it because I always want to know no matter where I am on the road, someplace, if they don't, if, you know, if they only have Cremate, or they only have uh, Sweet and Low, or they only have Splenda, or they only have Equal, or they, or they don't have those things, then it's not going to – if I learn how to drink coffee black, I'll never be disappointed because it's just like, yeah, it's coffee black. You know what I mean? That's how I drink it. Yeah. And it's interesting how when you take out the sugar and the milk and the half and half and all that other stuff out out of the coffee, how it just – it just tastes like coffee. It doesn't taste like your coffee. You can actually taste the difference of what each. I mean, think when you think about like the sugar and the and that cream that goes in. It's like a milkshake, man. Yeah, it becomes a milkshake. That's what I would say. Like, listen, have you ever just had intelligence? A cup of coffee. Yeah, I didn't think it was that great. Oh no, dude, it's it's amazing. Just a coffee. You're talking about a mocha. Yeah, but that's I, like a I'm chocolate milk. Hold coffee. on a second. That's the first time I went there seven years ago. Okay. Then I got. Now a, you're drinking a black cup of intelligence on your on your way home. I'm gonna have to stop. Okay, you get stop at my ha- no, you stop at my house. Okay. By the way, anytime where you live right now, what Los part Feliz. of town? Okay, so here's the thing: you have to go from Los Feliz to get to here. You have to drive past my house. Yeah. You stop at my house. I'm gonna make your cup of intelligence. And listen, I'm not. I'm not just pimping intelligence. And it's yet. magical. I can't wait to try it's this. It's amazing. Maybe this is why I haven't been drinking black coffee because we drink, I think in our house we have Pete's, which is strong. It needs half and half. When are you doing your next podcast? Tomorrow. All right. So tomorrow on your way home, you come by. Yeah. It's a little late. I might come by before. Okay, it's come by before. Late. I'm not going to sleep. Well, there's a stay-at-home order, so this is work. So I'm not going to be able to hang in my house. I'm going to have to throw it at you from the, on the – are we getting the wrap up here? Yeah. All right. Anyways, you come over tomorrow on your way to work, and you're going to talk about this cup of coffee I'm going to make you for quite a while. Okay. All right? I'm excited. Michael Malley, thank you so much Ethan, for coming. 
Great talking to you. You too. And uh, I can't wait to come back when I'm 175, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It'll be plan. 15 years from now. And uh, and we're going to talk about it and how you got there, how you got these last pounds off. Here's my weight loss goal. I want to hear. I want you to hear a rumor that I'm sick. Right. <laughs> That's terrible. It's terrible. No, but I've... I've I, I saw Mike. He looks... He looks sick. Sickly. <laughs> then yeah, I don't know. Like and you're no. like, okay, diets. I've no, but you know it. what's funny for... for for just in wrapping up is that what happens when you like, so for most of my life before I started working consistently in television, I was a certain weight. And then even when I went back and I was doing yes, dear. And I remember saying this to Alan Kirschenbaum. I was like, cause first season of the show, you're eating craft service. You're going out, you put on 15 pounds. And then I started, you know, losing weight again. He's like, hey, hey, slow down, slow down. And I said to him, I said, well, you go back and look at this pilot when I got cast. I was 195. He's like, yes, but we always knew you had the potential to get, <laughs> you know, Alan, because he worked on my name as <laughs> early. He's like, he's like, we always knew you had the potential to uh, to to gain a lot more weight. Right. And he said, each each pound of weight you lose, you you get 2% less funny. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I was like, that's terrible. But it's and true. Like, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because people, people sit at home watching comedies like yesteryear or like if uh, the the cop i played on uh on my name is earl stewart he's a lot funnier if he's just this dopey overweight dude brad pitt in your role on yesteryear people are gonna be bummed yeah like people are gonna hate him yeah they're not gonna like him yeah exactly this is why. I mean, what's funny is Brad Pitt and I were both testing at the same time, and I beat him out for that. Right. And, uh, because <laughs> Alan knew. Alan looked at him. He was like, he's never gaining yes. a pass. Yeah. I'm gonna, and th- what I'm going to do is I'm going to get in such good shape, I'm going to look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. Yeah. All right? That's, that's my goal, too, although he's a little small. That's good for your frame. I look at him, and I think, like. What do you mean? How tall is Brad Pitt? I think you probably the same. I have no idea how tall Brad Pitt, but, but I'm saying he's. He's like a like he's cut, but he's slight. He's a very slight guy in Fight Club. Yeah, that's what I want to be. Slight. Like Wayfish. Yeah, Wayfish. Yeah. I want my next role to be Wayfish. But great shoulders. Like his shoulders pop really nicely, but he's very like modely. Very, you know. Yeah, that's that's a lot of, a lot of people say the same thing about me. Yeah. for quite a while. Yeah, modely, modely. Michael Malley, thank you very much. Thanks, C. See you. And now for the Q and A. Kyle wants to know about your transition from keto to low fat. Yes. So yeah, he says you talked previously previously about following keto, and now you followed this low fat plan. So what made you transition over to the opposite end of the fat spectrum? Which diet did you see more results from? Okay, what made me transition over? I was working my ass off to try to get abs, visible abs. And I was really not having the kind of success I wanted to have. And I was lifting weights every day and I was fatigued and I was having trouble progressing. And if you're familiar at all with the principles of progressive overload, what you want to do to stimulate muscle growth, or if you're in a cut, make sure you hold on to all your muscle, is you want to trick the muscles into thinking that every ounce of them is necessary for your survival. Your body does not know you're in a gym. Your body is incredibly smart at certain things, but it's not aware, right? We're aware and separating us from our body, but if that does that make sense? So your body 
and the kind of automatic functions of your body have no idea you're in a gym lifting weights. Whatever you're doing with your body, your body thinks you need to do that to survive. So if you're in a caloric deficit and you're losing weight, but using all of your muscles, your body is going to go, I want to keep, I want to hold on to these muscles. However, your body is super smart and efficient. So if you just do the same thing every day, your body's going to figure out how to get rid of little bits of whatever it doesn't need, whatever, whatever parts it can get rid of that are excess. Now, hopefully that's mostly fat stores, but with regard to muscle, you've got to increase the volume of weights that you're lifting. So that could be a little bit more weight or a little bit more reps or more sets or whatever over time. Otherwise, your body just figures out how you're doing it and does it more efficiently. And we don't want our bodies to be totally efficient, right? With weight loss, we want to trick or I want to trick my body into not giving up any muscle mass and just using excess fat as the additional fuel because I'm in a caloric deficit. Was that clear, Paige? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. So I'm having, I'm on keto. I'm struggling in the gym. Now, the problem I was running into with keto is having a two-decade history of dieting and having done many extraordinarily calorically restricted diets, my instinct with keto was if I want to lose weight doing keto, I need to really lessen what I'm eating because my lazy version of keto was hot dogs, which let's be honest, they all have carbs. So that's a fucking bullshit keto, tons of cheese, bacon, hamburger patties from the fast food place. Right. And I wouldn't lose weight. I just wouldn't. I was eating pork rinds and chicharrones and all this stuff. And I was probably consuming too many calories. I wasn't really gaining weight fast, but a little bit. I certainly wouldn't lose weight when I ate that way. So then I would go to like chicken thighs and covered in olive oil and butter and steaks and a few handfuls of broccoli a day. And even then I would eat so much that I wasn't losing weight or I wasn't losing it as fast as I wanted to lose it. Right. So then I would just turn it up to fucking a really restrictive calorie diet, but I'm not actually counting the calories I would. And I wasn't even thinking this way. I'd just go like, well, I know if I eat less, I'll lose weight. And so it would be like two chicken thighs per meal and a couple handfuls of broccoli excuse me. And I'm just going to be fucking hungry all the time. Right? Well, that's stupid. That's kind of like not what's keto's about, but I'd lose weight. And when I would lose weight doing that, I wouldn't be able to work out in the gym. I certainly wouldn't be able to increase my volume over time. And I wasn't like having this thing that I wanted to have happen, which was I wanted to see lines in my muscles and I wanted to have definition and I wanted to I I kind of and I started getting DEXA scans and it turned out I was losing of my weight loss 40% of it was muscle which is not what I wanted to have happen and so I started to go like well how do these bodybuilders do it and 
I found Mike Isratel, and he, he did an amazing TED Talk called The Scientific Landscape of Healthy Eating. And I just went, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. I don't even really remember what his question was. I'm just telling a story. At well, this he point. did want to know how you transitioned, you know, from keto to what you're doing now. Yeah, low so fat. that's how I transitioned. I lost more weight doing keto. I lost more weight in the way I wanted to lose weight doing low fat. I wanted to retain every last bit of muscle and only be losing fat. And that I was more successful on doing low fat because I, I knew what I was doing. I understood at that point, oh, how much weight do I want to lose? I don't really shouldn't be losing more than 1% of my body weight per week, right? Versus my idea that like a real successful keto, I can lose a pound a day. Now, if you're, if you're trying to lose 200 pounds, that might still fall within 1% per week. And so you're probably not going to be digging into your muscle stores and it's probably not going to be too hard on you. But if you're, if you're only looking to lose 30 or 40 pounds and you're trying to lose a pound a day, the evidence looks like that you're not going to have long-term success doing that. I didn't have success doing that. And so with real specific goals for my body, for my muscles, for my body composition, I had more success when I, when I got real specific with what I was eating and what the purposes of it were. Every gram of carbohydrates that I eat have a purpose. They fuel my muscles. Every gram of fat that I eat has a purpose. Every gram of protein that I eat has a purpose. When I go to maintenance, it has a purpose. When I lift weights, they all have purposes. There's a reason why week two, I'm doing more sets. Week three, I'm doing more reps. Week four, I'm doing uh, more sets, more reps, and more weight. I'm increasing volume over time. All of this stuff has a purpose. Keto was like a a version of me going like, I, I think I'm allergic to carbs. I think everybody's allergic to carbs. If I don't eat carbs, I'll be okay. I don't want to think about this. It's it's It was a, a very lazy, low responsibility diet for me that I just, you know, I just didn't have to think. I could go anywhere and peel the bread off a sandwich, you know. So when I started really getting specific with my goals, I was more successful with low fat. That's my fucking long-winded answer. I apologize for the logaria and diatribe that I have just forced upon you. Thank you for your question. If you have a question you would like me to answer on this podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>